Today on the show, it's nearly Christmas, so let's talk about it. A brand new Christmas song I think could be a hit. Plus, why the hell is Home Alone so messed up? All that and more on 20th Century Boy, the show that would like to remind you that our eyes are up here. To 20th Century Boy, my name is Reindeer Man, and this is the inside of my mind. Welcome back. Last episode before Christmas, which is really exciting. I hope you are all looking forward to Christmas, uh, one of my favourite times of year. Of course, my name is not Reindeer Man, but as you know, if you're a regular listener, each week I start the show with a different name. Sometimes it's RM themed because I'm actually Radio Mike. Sometimes it's a mic pun. Send them in whenever you like. This is 20th Century Boy. The conversations you wish you were having about the stuff that no one else cares about. I paused there because I just forgot. I just had a moment where I completely forgot literally exactly what I was doing. And I was just like, what am I doing right now? Oh yeah, this podcast. Um, That happens more and more as I get older. I find myself like walking into rooms and I'm like, what am I actually doing right now? Why did I walk in here? Anyway, it's the conversations you wish you were having about the stuff that no one else cares about. I'm your host, Radio Mike, and it's a one-sided weekly one-hour conversation with me. That's basically it. I always say this podcast is basically like a blog of my life. It's like a weekly kind of vlog, blog, pot. What's up? Because blog is weblog. That's what blog is. Weblog becomes blog and it's like typed. Then they, then they had vlog, which is video log. What I guess I'm about, okay. I'm about to coin a brand new word, which is a description of my podcast because my podcast is a podcast blog of my life. It's a plog. Welcome to my plog. I, I, I might, if that actually becomes a thing, I coined it. You heard it here first. My podcast is a plog. It's different to all these other podcasts out there. Like we're an interview podcast. We ask the big questions that no one else wants to ask. We skip the small talk. It's different to all these, oh, we're just two mates having a bloody laugh. It's different to uh, uh, true crime. Find out what happened to Timmy. Who killed him? Find out on who killed Timmy. All of the, that's those are your, th- they're, they're your three podcasts. Your three podcasts these days are, I'm interviewing people and I'm cutting the small talk and asking the hard hitting questions. Okay. We're two mates having a good time, having some banter on a pod and three, who killed Timmy find out on this podcast called who killed Timmy. I'm introducing four, which is a plog. Welcome to my plog, my podcast log. There you go. I love that. I've coined that. I reckon in five to 10 years, there's going to be a lot more plogs, but I'm not the first plogger. Like I, I used to listen to a lot of Lewis Spears as well. I still listen to Lewis's podcast Spearhead Sundays. And I would say his podcast is a plog, right? Like solo podcast where you're just talking about your week. That's what this podcast is. There's lots of ploggers out there, but I've just coined the term plog. Anyway, it's a weekly one-sided plug. You can get in touch anytime though. RadioMikePod at gmail.com. Any of my socials, just search Radio Mike. You will find me. Thank you so much for listening so far. Um, that plug bit was unplanned. So it's good to, uh, it's good to have, uh, yeah, to do have coined that. Um, Hey, first of all, I, I've got a bunch of stuff I want to talk, talk about. First of all, massive, massive thank you 
to everyone who came out to the Harry Potter and the Boys live show uh, last week. Had a packed out, sold out uh, crowd. There were more people than there were seats. Um, And it was amazing. Uh, A bunch of you are listeners of both pods. Some of you are just listeners of TCB, but you wanted to see me live, so you came to HPATB. Some people were just HPATB listeners. Some people are both. Awesome. Uh, Everything about it was awesome. At the start of the year, I did my first live show genuinely Didn't think we'd do another one, but here we are. We've done another one. It went so well. I thought it was better than the first one. Um, The whole audio is up on the Harry Potter and the Boys feed. So if you want to experience or hear the live show, just go over to that feed and um, get it. Here's how the night started. Please welcome your host, Australia's most absurd 13-year-old author, it's Radio Mark! Hello! Cool. Thanks so much, everyone, for coming. This is awesome. Front row, very empty. Thank you to the brave people who sat in the front row. Oh, yeah, the front row. There were a few seats in the front row left. Um, So I said every seat was filled. There were a few seats not filled in the front. Sorry, guys. But a couple things on this. It was just – it was amazing. I had so much support from – a bunch of friends that came and then a bunch of fans and listeners that came, which was awesome. I met a bunch of you. It was awesome meeting a lot of you, a lot of you that I haven't met that are either in the discord or message me on Insta or something like that. Um, and just so encouraging, you know, I spoke to a few listeners after and they were all just saying your stuff's really good. We love it. And I was like, thank you so much. Like it does mean a lot. And again, after the show, we all went and just had a beer and I went and talked to a bunch of people that came and it was awesome. Like special thanks, of course, to Sam, Sam Garlap, comedian. He's doing a show at the Comedy Fest next year. Definitely go and see it. Owns it every time and really is a support for me. You know, he's so much more seasoned as a performer than me. Like this is my second time ever really being on stage, whereas Sam just, he's so good at it and he really carries it. Pat, of course, produced on the night, Perfect, best in the business. There is no um, greater podcast or digital producer in this business than Pat, um, who, of course, you can hear on the Pat and Mike show on Patreon, patreon.com slash Pat and Mike, which is also so much fun. Um, Keelan filmed on the night. And yeah, if you were there, thank you so much. It Again, like it's just that every, that time, the second time, I was beyond so much more confident than the first time. Like, when Sam announced me just then, I just went, sh- like, I was just like, yep, I feel completely confident and comfortable to do this, right? Whereas when the first time I was like, oh, I'm really nervous and I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I actually said that because I genuinely was like, oh, I don't know what to say. I just felt a lot more confident and comfortable. And I was like, you know what? I have faith in this and I believe that this show is funny. I believe I'm funny. I know Sam's funny. I know Pat's funny. I think this can work. I think it's going to work and I'm not doubting myself. The first one, literally the night before I called Pat and was like, I think I'm going to cancel it. I'm not, I'm not brave enough to do this. And again, it's just about stepping outside of that comfort zone. Even just a foot outside makes that circle a little bit bigger for you. So next time it's easier to go. It's easier to do it. And I kind of sometimes think of if anyone used to play Age of Empires, when you start, this is such a, like a dated reference, but if anyone ever played that game, you start in Age of Empires just in the middle of a map and it's all black around you. And then you have to send an explorer to start exploring. And as the explorer walks around the map, 
he starts to uncover the map and the map becomes bigger and you start to see everything, right? And I think that's sort of how I think about it is like, you have your comfort zone of things that work for you and come naturally to you. And you then there's things that you're scared of and there's like a wall, there's a wall of black or darkness there. And then you've got to go, no, I'm going to step through into the darkness and I'm going to go. And then the darkness lights up and you realize it's not as bad as you thought it was. And I think that's important because I can tell you it's, it works. The first time I did the live show in February, it was so scary. I wanted to cancel it. I didn't think anyone would come. I thought it would be a failure. It went great. I loved it. The second time I did it, I was like, great. It worked last time. I think it's going to work this time. I was confident. Things just can change. So like stepping outside of your comfort zone is the best way to grow. And I've learned that this year. And there's the evidence. The evidence is is right there. So thank you so much, everybody. It's um, it's amazing. And I do want to do more live st- stuff. I've talked to Pat about maybe next year doing a live uh, Pat and Mike or 20th Century Boy or Radio Mike show, like just a Radio Mike live podcast. Um, I think that would be fun. So let me know if you'd be interested in coming to that. Um, I think it could be awesome. Um, Guys, I've got a bunch of stuff, a little bit Christmas related, a little bit not. Um, Christmas, obviously my favorite time of year and I'm so excited to spend it with my family. Usually this would be the last episode of the year, but what I think I'm going to do, I haven't quite figured it out, but basically Christmas special is going to come out on Christmas day. That's a fully improvised Christmas uh, sketch with Pat. That's really fun. Go and listen to the last few. They in the lead up to Christmas, they're really fun to do and listen to. Um, And then I think whatever the next week Thursday is, it must be the 28th. That will probably be the last step for the year. Then I think I'm just going to take one week off and then come back for season six next year because I really feel like we've got a good momentum on the show at the moment. So I don't really want to take too much more time off, but we will see. Um, Basically... Uh, I forgot to say after the live show, the day after, and it's amazing how life can be so like different 24 hours apart, right? Live show, I come off. It's the biggest thrill of my life. I, the, the adrenaline and the dopamine are flowing. I go to bed. That's the Friday. Saturday, I wake up feeling really, really sick. I vomit heaps and I'm completely blacked out for most of the day. I'm so, so sick. Sunday as well. So it was a, it was a roller coaster weekend. Like I just felt terrible. So it's just, a, it's yeah. Anyway, back to Christmas. I've talked on this podcast before about Christmas carols and Christmas songs. And one of the main points I've made is like, For every All I Want for Christmas is You, Mariah Carey, there are a hundred other songs that came out that are about Christmas or adjacent to Christmas that never made it, right? And it's really hard these days to, to be the new Christmas song, right? Because there's all the classics, Hark the Herald Angels, Silent Night, O Come Are Ye Faithful, Jingle Bells, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, Little Drummer Boy, 12 Days of Christmas. Like there's so many just classics and a lot of artists, they just stick with covering the classics, right? That's how Buble got in. Buble's like, I'm just doing my crooner covers of Christmas songs, bam. He's probably bought eight houses off his Christmas album. It's a great album. Mariah Carey as well, All I Want for Christmas is You, amazing song. 
made its way into mainstream Christmas, didn't fade away. I think a few years ago, maybe last year, I talked about Justin Bieber's mistletoe. It's the most wonderful time of the year that I'm a bee under the mistletoe. I think that does have, like, that has stayed around and I think that will be a new Christmas classic, right? And sometimes I wonder in, like, 200 years when we're all dead, because you know how, like, we're like, Jingle Bells, like, I have no idea who wrote Jingle Bells. Someone must have written it at some point, but I have no idea who that someone is, but someone did. In, like, maybe in, like, 300 years, they're all going to, all the kids at school carols are going to be singing Mistletoe by Justin Bieber, and they're all going to be like, who the who is this guy? Like, because you, yeah, anyway, I think that's interesting. Elton John and Ed Sheeran attempted a new Christmas song last year. I thought it was going to be a flop. It's still getting a lot of airplay. So, I, but I still don't think it's as catchy as they wanted it to be, right? I still don't, don't think that. So I think it could die off. But I think we have a new contender for best Christmas song of all time. And I will say I've started putting video pods on Spotify and YouTube. Um, and because of copyright, I've been using shorter grabs from songs uh, just so I don't get copyright struck. So I do implore you to go and listen to this song in full. I think this song that Claire introduced me to genuinely is a Christmas classic. And that song is DJ Play Me A Christmas Song by Cher. DJ Play A Christmas Song it's like, DJ, play me a Christmas song. I want to be dancing all night long. It is everything good about Christmas songs. It's a different vibe. You know, we haven't had really a Christmas song that's like an upbeat dance disco nightclub song, right? So we're, we're covering that territory. Story about a DJ at Christmas. We've never had this. You know, we've got the drummer boy, but he's the closest thing we've had to a DJ at Christmas. Now, we, we, this is a modern Christmas song. It's DJ, play me a Christmas song. And it evokes so much because all I can imagine during this song is Cher is out there on Christmas Eve, on her own, in a nightclub, everyone's starting to go home. Her, She's away from her family for Christmas and she's, she wants to dance all night long. So she goes to the DJ, play me a Christmas song. It's Christmas. My family's away. I miss them. DJ, play me a Christmas DJ song. DJ, play a Christmas song. Beautiful song. Genuinely think this one. We will be hearing DJ, play me a Christmas song for a long time. It's going to be the next big thing in Christmas songs. And I don't say that lightly. I did say the Elton John and Ed Sheeran one, it's not going to pick up. But every year someone tries, and I think Cher tried this year, and I think she might have done it. Totally different vibe, but it's it's respectful and nice enough that you want to hear it. DJ, play me a Christmas song. Bloody put on a Christmas song. I think Cher really has something here, and I, I'm really keen for this song to persist. Continuing on the Christmas theme. I also wanted to talk, we've, we've been watching a bunch of Christmas movies. I've, I've got a little list. So here are some that we've watched. A Boy Called Christmas, Christmas with the Cranks, Arthur Christmas, Home Alone, The Family Stone, Deck the Halls, and Last Christmas. Have you guys seen this movie, Last Christmas? Last Christmas, the Christmas movie, is 
It's got that lady from um, Game of Thrones, Amelia Clark. The British. It's a British movie. Last Christmas is a Christmas movie inspired by the music of George Michael and Wham. Stars Amelia Clark and. It, it, we watched it the other night. Such a beautiful story. Such a good movie. I re- I actually genuinely really liked it. And spoilers ahead. Obviously, there's the classic Christmas song. Again, another classic Christmas song. Last Christmas. Last Christmas, you gave me my heart. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. But the very next day, you gave it away. Okay, this movie, right? hits you like a brick halfway through when you find out the twist of the movie is the guy that she's falling in love with is actually not alive, but he's the guy who gave her a heart transplant when she was sick a year ago and he died. So it's literally last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Halfway through the movie, I was like watching it and I'm like, I bet you this guy isn't real. Like, I feel like the twist is he's not real. And then I, and then I was like, oh, he must be the one who gave her the heart. And then it's literally last Christmas I gave you my heart. I could not believe that. I've never, I don't think there's any other movie that like took a song lyric, a song title, used it as the, the movie title. And then the twist in the movie was that the song lyrics were literal. Absolutely crazy. Blew my mind. Great movie, great twist, okay? Um, But the one I really want to talk about is Home Alone. Watched Home Alone over the weekend because when we were sick, we, we just watched like Christmas movies all day, right? On the couch. Watched Home Alone on the weekend for probably the first time in maybe, like I can't remember the last time I saw Home Alone. I I must I definitely watched all both of them when I was a kid, but I can't remember the last time I actually sat down and watched Home Alone in full. And the first thing I realized is there's so much stuff that because it, it must have been when I was a kid, like ten years old or younger. There is so much stuff in that movie I just completely forgot about. My entire memory of the movie as a kid is just like this goofy, like cartoonish Looney Tunes ish. Um, com- slapstick comedy where yeah, Macaulay Culkin is protecting his house. And the ho- in my memory, the whole movie is him basically doing the traps on the guys who are coming to the house. It's not like, that's like 10 minutes of the movie. There's so much more to this movie. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's a great movie. Chris Columbus directed it. Of course, he goes on to direct Harry Potter, the first two, and he produced the third one. That become, um, That's relevant for something I want to talk about later. But fantastic movie. Actually had me in tears in one point because, again, I forgot there's this the, – the, the, the beautiful scene in the church where there's this guy who lives next door to the family who's like this creepy old guy or they think he's scary. He comes up to Kevin in the church and says, you don't have to be scared of me, blah, blah, blah. And he says like, I haven't, I spoke, uh, my son, uh, I haven't seen my son in years because we had a big fight. And Kevin tells him to, to ring his son. Genuinely like reduce me to tears. I don't know. I'm getting older. Um, and at the end, you see him reuniting with his son through the window. Really, it, I don't know, really beautiful movie. Completely went over my head as a kid. So much of the movie went over my head as as a kid. Like, but there are still points of the slapstick. Like the moment where one of the robbers steps on the nail. I remembered that so vividly. Like that, it, it, 
I was like, yeah, I, I remember exactly what happens here. And I remember the feelings I felt as a kid watching that movie, right? Here's a few little tidbits on Home Alone. The first thing I notice about Home Alone is obviously Chris Columbus directed it. As I said, he goes on to direct the first two Harry Potter movies. Um, and he's clearly a director that works really well with kids. And I think that shows through movies like Home Alone and Harry Potter. John Williams also did the score for Home Alone. John Williams, one of the most famous movie composers of all time, scored films like Home Alone, Jurassic Park, like all these classic themes, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, like seriously some of the biggest movies of all time are scored by John Williams. He wrote the you know, the Imperial March, Darth Vader's theme. He wrote Indiana Jones's theme. He, the Jurassic Park theme. Excuse my renditions of them. And of course the Harry Potter theme. Right. All these iconic themes came out of this guy's head. And he's a brilliant composer. And I'm not sure if it's just because like I, I like I have a background in music, I performed music, like I was in a performing choir for most of my school days, as you may know. I play guitar, I play piano, um, I used to play violin. Like I have, a, I have a lot of music theory and a lot of understanding of music. What if I told you John Williams wrote the theme to Harry Potter before the book was even released? How is that possible, you ask? I have reason to believe that John Williams repurposed a tune from Home Alone, which he also scored, and turned it into the Harry Potter theme. I know this is a big conspiracy, but I I wouldn't put it past him to repurpose like a little motif and turn it into a theme. I believe he did this because as I was watching Home Alone for the first time since I was a kid, I distinctly heard the Harry Potter theme within another track in Home Alone. So this, of course, is Hedwig's theme, which is the main theme or more the main motif from Harry Potter. It's the melody of dun, 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 dun. We all know it, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. But is this from the Home Alone soundtrack, the, the track titled Setting the Trap, is this not the Harry Potter theme? Okay, it's a little bit different melodically, but it is pretty similar. It, so the Harry Potter one is... Dun, 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 dun. This one goes... Dun, 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 dun. So it, it, like it's a little bit different rhythmically, but, but listen again, here's Harry Potter. And I've also slowed it down. Like, have a listen to this edit. John Williams repurposed a song from Home Alone to create one of the most iconic movie themes of all time. He recycled. It's a very clear recycling. I posted this on Twitter, X, formerly known as Twitter. 
few people said, yeah, you can also hear, I didn't, I didn't grab this audio. He's like, you can also hear some of the Quidditch music in Home Alone. And to be honest, I'm not calling John Williams out. I think this is totally fair. I mean, it's very clear that that melody was in his head, right? Of course, it's arranged very differently and arrangement matters a lot, but that melody is there. Whether he knew or not that he was taking it, it's there. And, and again, there's a, there are only, well, anyway. Here, here's the other thing. I, watch, I went and did some research on it, ended up watching um, this video, this great video on YouTube. I, I can't remember the name of the channel. Apologies. Big channel though. So he definitely doesn't need my help. And he was basically showing, again, not in a critical way, but basically how a lot of the scenes in Harry Potter, the first one, the kind of framing and the shots are very similar to certain shots in Home Alone. For example, there's a shot in Home Alone where Kevin is shopping and he gets a toothbrush and he's holding up the toothbrush and he says, is this toothbrush approved by the dental authorities of America? And then this YouTube channel puts it side to side with the scene where Harry gets given his wand by Ollivander and he's looking up at Ollivander holding his wand. Very similar shot. And a lot of the different shot styles, like, and I guess, again, it's a director, you know, this is a director who has certain techniques and certain ways that they do things. So he's basically borrowing parts or techniques he's used in Home Alone to put them in Harry Potter. And it ends up being really similar. I never, again, because I haven't watched Home Alone much, I haven't never picked it up. But the more you think about it, like, of course, like there would be echoes of Home Alone in Harry Potter because it's the same people working for it on the, on the movies Ironically, the guy who produced, who was a producer on Home Alone was called Mark Radcliffe. I thought that was Daniel Radcliffe's dad because I knew Daniel Radcliffe's dad was in show business and that's sort of how Daniel Radcliffe ended up getting the job as Harry Potter. But it turns out he's just a guy called Mark Radcliffe with no relation to uh, Daniel, just a complete coincidence. But overall... I just found the whole, that whole experience of watching Home Alone was really surreal because a lot of the music, like the whimsical kind of child, childish magic of the music and the way it looks very, very similar to Harry Potter. And I was like, wow, like you can, as an adult, you can look at these two films and really feel the DNA they share, I think, in the music and the, the direction so that's de- definitely an interesting project for you if you want to go and watch. Are there any other movies that like you've seen that you're like, this is so similar and then you've realised it's a similar director or something? Like I'm, I've am i gotten to the point, I guess, where like if if I hear a John Williams score, like if, if there was a movie he had scored that I didn't know about, if I heard it, I'd know. Like I just, I just know what his style sounds like. And it's like that, it's like that with a lot of bands as well. Like, if you just played me a random like strum of a guitar and it's like, is this Green Day or Blink-182? I could very easily, I one, I reckon with 100% accuracy, just from the guitar sound, I could be like, yeah, I know which one's which. Because, because the way Green Day use their guitars is so different to the way Blink use their guitars or the way like the killers use guitars or the way that, I don't know, like, like, 
I yeah, it's and I'm sure there are like, is there an artist or band out there that you could hear one second? You're like, I I 100% know that's them, like without even thinking. Like some people could, most people could probably do it with vo- vocals. Like, oh, I can tell this is this singer, so it must be this band. But not a lot of people. Well, maybe a lot of people can do it with like other instruments. Like, I can tell if Travis Barker is drumming on a song. It's just very clear to me how he drums compared to other drummers. And I think that's, I think that's really cool. That's how like, you know, music and movies and everything, they have this DNA and they have this feeling about them. Continuing along, I've got three non-Christmas related things. Oh no, I haven't even finished. Sorry. My main point on Home Alone. I got to say my other main point on Home Alone This is the biggest problem with Home Alone. Kevin, Macaulay Culkin's character, is constantly being mocked, gaslit, belittled, bullied and abused by his family, not just the children like his cousins and his brothers and sisters, but but the adults in his life as well, particularly his uncle, who literally calls him a jerk in front of everyone. Look what you did, you little jerk. Like, imagine if your uncle in front of your whole family just looked at you and said, look what you did, you little jerk, right? So Kevin is abused by his family the whole movie. They literally forget to bring him on the holiday, right? And then at the end of the movie, no joke, at the end of the movie, they all come back and they all look at Kevin and there's like this moment of, you know what, Kevin? You're not so bad after all. We miss, we did miss you and we love you. And Kevin sort of like gets the approval from his cousin Buzz, who is just a mean bully to him. And it's like, it's, it's almost made out as though Kevin wanted that the whole time, like this approval, but it's just this emptiness, empty, like abusive gaslighting, belittling ending. Like even the mum who is mean to him and forgets, like, the mum doesn't defend him when he's blamed for things that are definitely not his fault. He constantly is blamed for stuff at the start of the movie that's not, not, not caused by him. And if anything, he's only lashing out because he's being severely abused by his family. And then at the end, we're supposed to see them all reunite and think, yeah, this is a great ending for Kevin. It's not. I actually would have rather Kevin never return to his family and the family dies on the way home from the trip and Kevin just gets to keep living independently like he's proven he is able to. Because Kevin should not be with this with his family because they they bully him so much, as is evident in Home Alone 2 when the exact same people are doing the exact same thing to him. Like... He's literally being gaslit by his entire family to be made to feel like he's a bad person. They literally forget him when they're going on holiday. And then, like, for whatever reason, the ending is, oh, we missed you so much. It really grinds my gears. Like, I actually hated it. And even, I think, as a kid, I don't even remember the ending really. But, like, as an adult, I'm like, that is not what you should be teaching children that like, even if your family treats you like shit, you should just be happy that they're around and you've got them. Cause no, like Kevin is being abused in this household. There is no doubt in my mind that Kevin is being abused in this household. And that is not a good thing for Kevin. 
Kevin should be taken out of that house. Those are my thoughts on Home Alone. Mic drop. Um, okay. Here's, here's a few little tidbits, right? The first one, which a few people have asked me to talk about, is Jonathan Majors has been dropped as Kang in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, he's also, I mean, because he's been found guilty of a bunch of assault crimes and stuff like that. Really huge. If you're not, if you're not aware, Jonathan Majors playing Kang, he's basically like the new big bad of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? First, we had, there was Thanos. Thanos is dead. And they were basically, they've been building up Kang to be the new big bad character for this saga of the Marvel universe. He was in uh, Loki and he's also, he was a main character in Ant-Man Quantumania. And to me, this is probably the final nail in the coffin for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's going to be really hard for them to regroup and recover from this because like, obviously he can't be in the movies. They're not even recasting the character. They're just now going in a different direction because the, I think the next Avengers movie was called Avengers, the Kang dynasty. Um, now it's just called Avengers five. And I think it, this, this one sucks. Like this blow sucks because there's been a lot of criticism about the MCU recently and how it's on this downward trend. It's too convoluted. It's too confusing. It expects too much of its viewers. Now there's all these TV series, all these movies. It's so difficult just to be aware of what's going on. You want to see a movie, but to understand it, you have to have seen three TV shows before that. No one has the time to keep up with everything. All of those are valid criticisms, plus there's no real direction for it. The only real direction, which was that Kang was the next bad guy, is now in the toilet. This one sucks for Marvel because it's beyond their control. Like, in the sense that, I, I guess this is just a risk that you can't really guarantee whenever you cast anyone in anything, for a franchise especially, that one day they're not going to do something fucked and it's going to throw everything into jeopardy. That's exactly what happened with the flash in DC with Ezra, um, who, you know, was cast as the flash many, many, many years ago, was in a few movies. And then before their own movie, the flash, which is, you know, their flagship movie, they did a bunch of fuck stuff and got in a lot of legal trouble. And then they had to basically shelve that movie for years. And then I think they just decided to put it out a few years later and it failed commercially and critically. Um, and a lot of that I think is to do with, yeah, like the controversy around Ezra Miller and everything that happened there, right? It is really, really hard. And I, I actually always think, imagine like, it, it is amazing, back to Harry Potter, it's amazing they made eight Harry Potter movies with almost none of the main actors ever needing to be subbed out, ever needing to be recast or changed or any of them really being involved in a massive scandal. And I'm talking main actors. Like, of course, original Dumbledore, the actor Richard Harris did die and was replaced by Michael Gambon. But aside from that, not many other main actors. Like, I, I always think, what if Daniel Radcliffe had just gone bad halfway through? Like, you know, like a lot of child stars do. And like, they couldn't make him anymore. What if any of them did? All of the main adult actors, bar 
the original Dumbledore, you know, Michael Gambon, Robbie Coltrane, Maggie Smith, Alan Rickman, they're there in every movie. There was never like any issues. It's remarkable they were able to make all eight movies. The only, like, there's there's all those memes about Crab, who obviously got replaced in the last movie because the actor was arrested, I believe. But, I mean, not, I, and yeah, that's probably the biggest one. But that even Crab isn't really a main character at all. Barely has any lines throughout the whole series. So that one was a bit negligible. But, like, yeah, Radcliffe... Rupert Grant, Emma Watson, Tom Felton, even like the the other side characters like Seamus Finnegan, Neville, Dean Thomas, like all those characters that are there from the first movie and there's never like, it's never like, oh, the guy who played Seamus Finnegan stops being in them after the fourth one because he got addicted to drugs or something. They're just all there. I think it's remarkable. And that... The, the thing with Jonathan Majors is it's just... it's It's beyond Marvel's control... It's always a risk, but yeah, he's really screwed it up for them. And I really worry about their ability to recover from that because people are already off Marvel. This is bad press for Marvel, unfortunately. And 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 they were saying recently that they want to bring back Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans as Iron Man and Captain America. And that is genuinely a last ditch effort to get people interested. Because of course, the whole thing with Avengers Endgame is like those characters are finished now. Like their stories are over it's now time for a new generation, but they've really bungled how they've set it up. And now after that, you know, what, five years after Endgame, they're like, no, we need to bring him back. That's not good. That means you're desperate and being desperate sucks. So it's really disappointing about Jonathan Majors, but there's nothing they can do. Hopefully they can redirect it and just sort of use it as a way to kind of soft reboot and do something new. But I think they're in a really dangerous territory if they don't play their cards really, really well. Two more things. I I noticed, uh, I, I just found this so great. Um, Sydney Sweeney is in Australia at the moment and she's here because I think they filmed her new rom-com Anyone But You, I think is what it's called. I could be wrong. I, pers- I don't really care what the movie's called, but go see it, I guess. And so Sydney Sweeney's in this uh, movie, they're filming it in Australia. And then she, so she's here, she's doing a bit of press around the, the film. And Sydney Sweeney, if you, if you're not familiar with Sydney Sweeney, which I, I think most of you are, she's sort of like the new kind of hot girl on TV from America. Um, probably best known for being in Euphoria and like I think this is this is relevant in a way like she has several topless scenes in that show and like that's why I say I think most of you know who she is because like she's very attractive and (laughs) I'm not trying to objectify her please don't think that but I did find this really interesting so as part of as part of her press for this movie, Sydney Sweeney, you know, she's in Australia. She goes to a training game for the Sydney Swans football team. Sydney, Sydney, makes sense. And she goes in, she meets all the footy players, of course, who are very attractive men about her age. And I think the funny thing with this is like, you know for a fact, like, 
all of these guys have seen Sydney Sweetie's boobs. Like we all have, let's not lie. Which I just think I, it, that must, that must be a, I wonder that must be a weird feeling, but anyway, that's, I don't know why that that's kind of relevant to this point. Just, just, just hold up. Okay. Anyway. So she goes and visits them, you know, does a bit of, you know, oh, I'm at the footy, I'm my first footy match. And then I saw this clip from the project where basically this happens. Sydney, you actually went to a Swans game while you were here, the AFL. Did you actually enjoy the game and did you understand it at all? Uh, I had a blast. I loved it. I got to meet everybody. I want to go back. Well, they had a good time meeting Sydney as well. The whole team slid into her DMs afterwards. It was... Yeah. Australia Australia wanted to welcome her to town. (laughs) In a very big way. So the entire team at the Sydney Swans has slid into Sydney Sweeney's DMs after she came to visit them. They wanted to welcome her to town in a big way. Okay, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what? What, they all... Basically, she's saying, yeah, like, the whole Sydney team wanted to fuck me. And, and you know what? This is, this is, this is it. Some, I reckon it's going to happen, or it's already happened. Someone on that team is going to, I think, will get in with Sydney Sweeney. I think it'll happen. I don't see why it wouldn't happen. You've got a lot of attractive people. She can literally go and hang out with any of them. Why Why not? Why, why would it not happen? Sometimes you just think, wow, if I had put all of my effort into getting really fit and playing footy instead of playing Kingdom Hearts on PlayStation 2... What could my life have been? I could have been making a million dollars playing footy, not doing this podcast, making no dollars. I just think it's real. I, 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 I just think it's really interesting to think about like, it's just this society where like every single player slid into Sydney, Sw- Sydney Sweeney's DMs, essentially because they wanted to have sex with her. This is like the, this, and she knows that. Like she, ve- she clearly is aware that that's that's what they want. She's like they wanted to welcome me in a big way. Anyway, I just I, I don't know why I wanted to talk about that. It just makes me. It just uh, yeah. It just it's just really weird. I just think it's really strange. Um, final thing for this week's show, and this one will blow your mind. Okay. Got to be sensitive about how I talk about this, but no, well, no, I don't. Pornhub has released a list of the most searched video game characters on their site. So again, and this is, you know, very, uh, very, you know, MMA chat. Um, Pornhub, of course, a porn website. I guess there are people out there who are like, yeah, like I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind looking up some fiction, fictional character kind of porn. You know, oh, I really like, you know, trying to think of an ex- of an example, you know, there's a lot of like porn parodies, you know, there's like Seinfeld, the porn parody, Futurama, the porn parody, Squid Game, the porn parody. And he's like, well, who's film, who is doing this? Who is, do they just have a team that's like, whatever's cultural at the moment, we have to make a porn parody of? I don't know. Cause I remember when the human centipede came out in 2009, there was a porn parody of it, which is so weird because who would want to watch that anyway? Moving forward. So people have all kinds of tastes. We're not here to king shame. 
But I did find it very interesting to see the top sort of, yeah, the top six characters that people search for on Pornhub, video game characters. Because I think this will really surprise you. Well, maybe it won't surprise you. Because number one is Chun-Li from Street Fighter. And I get it. I get it. Chun-Li, she's, a, she's an athletic fighter, a street fighter, hence the name of the game. She's recently been in Fortnite. So she's trending, right? She's relevant. She's an attractive woman. Chun-Li, you know, she is hot. Chun-Li is hot. So I understand why she's number one. Number two is Tifa, okay? Tifa, if you're not familiar, uh, is from Final Fantasy VII. And again, I get it, okay? I'm going to put it out there. I played the Final Fantasy VII remake and I genuinely remember playing it and being like, oh my God, Tifa is really hot. Like, she is super hot. If you were a cartoon anime guy, you would want to get with Tifa, right? Kind of known for her large breasts, sort of similar to Sydney Sweeney. Again, not, not trying to be sexist or anything. I might get cancelled for this episode, but Tifa is, she's hot. I get it. Number three, and I, I, I promise this has a point. Don't, don't, one of these is going to surprise you. I'm not just going through video game characters I think are hot. It's, there is a punchline to this. Number three is Diva, who is apparently from Overwatch. I'm actually not familiar, but I'll Google her. Um, oh, a robot came up. That's weird. Oh, okay, yeah. Diva, yep, I, I completely get it. Google it right now. You'll get why. Um, then, of course, Lara Croft. Lara Croft from Tomb Raider, um, famously played by Angelina Jolie in the films. But again, like a like a, a a busty woman again. I get why it's big on Pornhub. Number five, again, I don't know this character, but she's from Resident Evil. Lady Dimitrescu. I could be saying that wrong. So Lady Dimitrescu. Uh, oh, okay, that's a bit more of a... She, she's like a gothic kind of woman. So that's an interesting, maybe a kink. But those are the, those are the top five. And all, all of them make sense, right? They're all attractive women. Uh, busty, attractive women. Number six is what really shocked me. Because number six <laughs> is Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I told you it was going somewhere. I told you there was a point. It wasn't just me going like, yeah, Tifa's got big tits. No, number six is Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog is the sixth most searched video game character on Pornhub. So like, think about it. There's all these guys going, yeah, Tifa. You know, someone's sitting there playing Street Fighter. Oh, Chun-Li's hot. Pornhub.com, Chun-Li. Oh yeah. Final Fantasy VII. Oh, Tifa's really hot. Tifa on Pornhub. Oh yeah. Oh, I love um I love Lara Croft in Tomb Raider. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna go on Pornhub. Lara Croft. Oh yeah. And then some guy is fucking playing Sonic the Hedgehog on his Switch. Spin dash. Bring ring sounds. Bam. And then he's like, I wonder. Gets out his phone. Pornhub.com types in Sonic the Hedgehog. He goes, okay, yeah, that is kind of what I thought it would be. Because I, I'm going to be honest, I don't even know what to expect. 
I when I like what and and I'm not this isn't going to be one of those things of like oh, I'll do it and I'll talk about it next week on the show. I'm not going to be looking up Sonic the Hedgehog porn for the show and reporting back. I did say I would play Fortnite and report back. I again I didn't I have done that. I just haven't had time to talk about it this week. I've missed out. So it'll be next week. Someone message me about that. But yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog porn. Here's something. Could someone Go on Pornhub, type in Sonic the Hedgehog, see what comes up and report back. I'll have you on the show, right? I'll, I'll ring you. We'll talk about it next week because apparently it's popular. Anyway, I think we got to leave it there. Been a really fun app. Uh, let's do this. The plug. Plugging this week, patreon.com slash radio mic jump on. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of bonus content that takes time. And uh, if you can give us 450 a month, that'd be amazing. The Pat and Mike shows up there. That is also such a good show. We put clips up on Instagram, follow the, the podcast insert at TCB pod, um, follow all my socials, of course, and share the pod with your friends. Um, you know, share anything with your friends to get them into this pod. Uh, go listen to the live show on Harry Potter and the Boys feed and YouTube. Go watch some of the clips up there. I think that's pretty much it, guys. Honestly, have a really Merry Christmas. Um, have a really safe break. And uh, I'll be back next week for sure. But yeah, I I really hope you have a safe, happy holiday. I hope you have um, time with your family if, if they're here. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll speak to you guys next week. Have a great one. My name is Radio Mike. This has been the inside of my mind. Catch you later.